Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy July 3rd. Pastor Luke came up the onset of the service, said happy July 4th one day early, so I thought let's just make it what it is, July 3rd. We're grateful to have you with us this morning. Man, we're going to just kind of jump sideways for a moment today. Throughout this year, we've been in a series on the book of Acts. We're processing through how does God's Word apply to our lives today when it comes to multiplying the impact of Jesus Christ on our culture. But I began to prepare the message for today a few weeks ago, and I just could not get beyond the idea that this weekend we've got to take some time and talk about America. We've got to talk about the fact that we, the church, if we're truly going to multiply, then we have to come back to the foundation of who we are as a nation. That we've got to come back to the foundation that we weren't built upon the craziness and the chaos, but we've been built upon a foundation of God and God alone. Amen? Amen. Well, before I preach, let me introduce myself. I'm Pastor Chris. Honored that you're with us today. Honored that you're watching online today. I believe that it's no accident that you're here. I believe that God has ordained this moment. I believe that God has brought you here for such a time as this. I'm going to challenge you. Listen very carefully. But don't listen with a deaf ear, but listen with a heart that is transparent and open and and ready to receive from God's word. We're going to dive into this message today. I'm going to challenge you. Allow it to penetrate the very core of who you are. Allow it to speak into your lives in a real way today. Are you ready? I want to encourage you to take really good notes. You can get the paper copy. It's available in the back of the room. Or if you go to our church app, go to your favorite app store, put in Counter Church AG. It'll pull up our church app. Grab that and right on the front page, smack dab on the front page, you're going to find the outline for today. Why do we make the outline available? Because how many of you know the more we perceive, the more we receive? If we're listening, if we're seeing, if we're writing, if we're taking notes, we're going to grab a hold of God's Word a little bit better. And if we grab a hold of God's Word, it will then penetrate and move into the world around us. So I want to challenge you. Listen carefully today. Take really, really good notes. For the next few moments this morning, I want to speak to you. And this may be more of a a teaching than it is preaching. And every time I say that, it ends up being more preaching. So just bear with me anyway. But we're going to take a few moments. We're going to look at this great nation that we simply call America. You see, tomorrow we will celebrate 246 years as a nation. Throughout those years, many have coined phrases or made statements of America describing us as we are the land of the free and home of the brave. Some have said that we're a Christian nation. Others have debated that statement. Some have gone as far as to say that we are the greatest nation on this earth. But here's the question that I have for you. What are we doing to remain a nation that is dependent upon God? Come on, let that question sink into your heart just for a moment today. What are we, or more personally, what are you doing 
to remain a nation that is dependent upon God. You see, the Bible is very clear that if we want this nation, America, to be blessed, and we sing the songs, God bless America, if we want God to bless America, then we must be a nation that is truly dependent upon the goodness and the greatness and the values of God. Otherwise, we're just playing games. We're just going through the motions. Psalm 33, verse 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Come on, would you say that with me this morning? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, many in our culture today would see, well, blessed is the nation that has freedom to do whatever they want. But truth be told, we don't need freedom to do whatever we want. We need freedom to worship God. We need freedom to follow the things of God. We need freedom to gather together. We need freedom to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to make America great again. That's what's going to bless America again. Let's suppose that sometime this week you turn on the news and you hear this statement. The chief justice of the Supreme Court has just issued a statement Divine providence, that's God, has given to our people the choice of its rulers. And it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for the rulers. Then suppose that you hear this statement. Inquiries by our reporters reveal that almost every state legislature has now passed a law requiring an elected official to take an oath. I do profess in God the Father my faith. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, his only son. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scripture, the Bible, both the Old and New Testament, to be given by divine inspiration. Then on top of all of that, reports come in with this statement. Legislation has passed today in Congress to affirm that the Congress of the United States approves of and recommends the Holy Bible for use in the schools. Now, it's hard to imagine that these types of statements could be made right here in the United States. But truth be told, they were. You see, it was John Jay, the first chief justice of the Supreme Court, one of the primary authors of the Constitution that made this statement. It is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. This statement was made right here in America by one of our founding fathers. It is our duty as a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. It was the state of Delaware, and along with many others, which required office holders to take an oath affirming their Christian faith 
before they could ever take office. See, these are a lot of these things you're not going to read in the textbook. They've been edited out. Culture is not wanting you to know this information. We're, we're going to push that to the side. We're just going to stand on the fact that we are America. We're home in the free. It's who we are. But let me go on. Not only did Congress in 1782 approve the use of Bibles for our schools, they paid for them with, you guessed it, taxpayer funds. In 1844, when someone sued to remove the Bibles, the Supreme Court ruled in 1844, why should not the Bible, especially the New Testament, be read and taught as a divine revelation in the schools? Where can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly or so perfectly as from the New Testament? Here's what I've discovered. We've come a long way from the roots of America. It was Barack Obama, former president of the United States, that made this statement, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. And I will have to say to you, I agree with that statement. We are no longer solely a a Christian nation. We are a diverse nation consisting of Muslims and Jews and Buddhists and Wiccans and spiritualists and Catholics and Protestants and even atheists. Some would say, well, that's great. That means we're a diverse nation. But I would go as far as to say this. Our Christian heritage is slowly slipping away from America. Let me ask you a personal question this morning. If we truly believe, if you truly believe that Jesus is the only way, that our hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and and righteousness, if it's found in him and him alone, then should we not do everything in our ability to keep Jesus the foundation of this nation. Truth be told, our Christian heritage has eroded by the softening and the modification of the very Word of God. It's eroded because it's so easy for the church just to sit on the sidelines Oh, we make statements like, well, I don't want to push my faith on anybody. I I, I don't want to offend them by sharing Jesus with them. I'm here to tell you, the Bible says the very word of God is going to be offensive. Why? Because it reveals what's happening in darkness. But it's not done just to offend. It's done to bring it to light so God can create a restoration process in that individual, in that person and what they're experiencing in their lives. Jesus came that we might have life and, and have it in all of its abundance. Church, it's our responsibility. It's the church's responsibility to take a stand. It's the church's responsibility to share that good news. If we don't do it, who's going to? We've come a long way. This erosion of biblical values and principles. 
It appears that we are no longer a nation that is hungry for the truth of God's word. We would prefer somebody just to tickle our ears, give us something to make us feel good about ourselves, put a little icing on top of the cake and everything will be okay. Just tell me that all is good and I'm going to live a blessed life and I'll be happy. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have problems. But the hope that we have is found in him. He goes on to say, but I have, I have already conquered this world. I've overcome this world. Church, if we want America to be blessed, if we want America to be a nation that is once, once again dependent upon the very foundation of hope in Jesus Christ, then we must determine in our hearts that we, have, we are here, we are dependent, we are longing for the things of God. I want to challenge you today. Listen very carefully. I want to give you three requirements. Look at your neighbor and say, requirements. Those of you that are watching online this morning say, these are my requirements. This is what we are supposed to do. Number one, determine to pray for your leaders. Determine to pray for your leaders. Some of you that are here today, some of you that are watching online today, you struggle with this. How do I know that? Because on Wednesday night when I'm passing out the prayer needs and I'm determining who's going to pray for different situations, I'll ask individuals, hey, do you want to pray? And more times than not, here is the response I get. I'll pray for anything but the governments. Oh, we laugh, but it's true. We laugh, but it's, it's true. I'll pray for anything. I'll pray that God will heal, heal those with cancer. I'll pray that God will restore marriages. I pray that revival will break out in this nation. But I don't want to pray for the governments. And we try to justify that action and that thought process by saying, well, they aren't doing what I think they should be doing. I'll pray for anything but the government. But First Timothy chapter 2 says this. I urge you. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I urge you. If we were preaching King James, I'd say, I beseech thee, brethren. Those of you online write, I beseech thee. That's a great phrase. I beseech thee. First of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Come on, look at that. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now, here's the part we don't like. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. That means presidents. That means vice presidents. That means Congress, House of Representatives, governors, mayors. The list goes on and on. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. I want you to understand that when this was written, it, it wasn't the fact that everything was going great. I mean, the church wasn't just... Everything's awesome. You can meet together. You can gather together. You can have a service together. You can preach Jesus together. You can talk about the resurrection together. Uh, no, the church was experiencing persecution. Yet here in God's word, it says, you need to pray for those in authority over you. 
Let me back up for a moment. The groundwork for the freedom that we enjoy as a nation, truth be told, it was laid over 246 years ago. We enjoy our freedom today because of what our founding fathers, our fathers, our mothers, our brothers and sisters, our sons, our daughters, what they have done to obtain and even preserve this freedom. Therefore, our freedom didn't come cheap. Our founding fathers fought and died to give us freedom of religion. Now, there are those today in our society that will try to tell you that the intention of our founding fathers was to give us freedom from religion. But there's a huge difference between freedom of and freedom from. Are we a Christian nation? Probably not. But was this nation founded upon Christian principles? Absolutely. We, the church, we, the followers of Christ, must be a people that pray and seek the face of God. Not just for people, not just for the nation, but for the leaders and the rulers in authority over us. So how do we pray? God, I don't like them. Get them. Punish them for their wickedness. Is that how we pray? Come on. Is that how we pray? No. That's not how we pray. We pray, God, would you speak into their lives? God, would you lead them and guide them? God, would you help them to surrender to you, to follow after your leadership? Whether you like them or not, that's not the question. Come on, whether you like them or not, that's not the question. The question is, are you willing to follow the biblical guidelines that the word of God has laid before us? We are called to pray for all people and pray this way for the kings and the leaders, the president, the vice president, the congress, the house of representatives, all of those who are in authority over us. It's our responsibility, church, to pray that God will speak into their lives whether we like them or not. It's time for we, the church, to be a people of prayer. You see, when the First Continental Congress met together, they were debating on how the Declaration of Independence should be written. And it was Benjamin Franklin that made this statement. He said, gentlemen, if it is true that not one single petal From any flower falls to the ground without escaping God's attention. Will the distress of this nation go unheeded? Let us therefore determine to seek his face. After this moment, 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence went to their knees and began to pray And seek God for wisdom. Can you imagine with me just for a moment what would happen if the Congress 
in 2022, if the Supreme Court in 2022, before they even proceeded forward in any of the agenda of the day, they knelt to their knees and they called out to God Almighty, Lord, would you help us? Lord, we seek your face. Lord, we turn to you today. Lord, we admit, we readily admit, we can't do this without you. What would happen if they truly declared their dependence upon God? You see, our responsibility, very first requirement for you and I as followers of Christ is we are to pray for the leaders and authority over us. The second is this, declare your dependence on God. Declare your, oh, we're real quick to say, oh, I have my rights. Come on. We declare our dependence in so many other aspects, in areas, in ways, in life. But have we really come to the place of declaring our dependence on God? Well, pastor, I'm here this morning, aren't I? Oh, that's not the question. You see, it's, this is easy. This is following out of convenience. It was convenient for you to be here today. Are you following him out of conviction? Are you following out of a heart of desperation and longing for the things of God? Are you following with a desire to lay it all before him. You see, it's a daily encounter. It's a daily journey with God. Lord, I'm willing to take up that cross. Lord, I'm willing to deny myself. Lord, it's not about me. It's, it's all about you. Less of me and more of you. Lord, how can I be used for your kingdom. God, how can I multiply for you today, tomorrow, throughout this week? Lord, how can I share the good news of Jesus Christ at a greater capacity this week than ever before? Second Chronicles chapter 7 says it this way, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. Oftentimes we read this scripture and we think, America needs to repent. If we, America, a godly nation, would just repent and turn from our wicked ways, if we would just pray and seek his face, then God will hear our prayers. But can I be honest with you? The scripture is not talking about America. If my people, if my people, who, who are God's people? The people that profess to be followers, right? If I was to say, Encounter Church needs to do, and whatever it happens to be, I'm not talking about the 20,000 people outside of these walls. I'm talking about the 340 here in this building and 
85 to 90 in Warrensburg. That's what I'm talking about, the 450 people that call Encounter Church home. In this case, if we, the church, if we, the followers of Christ, if we, those that declare our dependence on him, if we would humble ourselves. You see, before America can ever come to the place of repentance, the church needs to repent. Come on. Well, pastor, why does the church need to repent? We're the ones in church this morning. Because we have failed to be and do what God has called us to do. Shame on us. Come on. Come on. That's easy to say, oh, pastor, you're right this morning. That's easy to say today, right? Tomorrow. Well, give me a day further. You won't be at work tomorrow. Tuesday. Tuesday, when everything breaks loose at work. Mm. When everything breaks loose at work, I want you to think back to the scripture. If my people, if you, and 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 you, if you, we, us, me, if we, who are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. Then he will hear from heaven. Then he will forgive our sins. And then he will heal our lands. Church, we must be a people that are willing to humble ourselves, to admit we can't do it by ourselves. We can't expect a confused nation. We can't expect a perverse nation, a dark and twisted world to turn to God unless we lead the way. Come on. Unless we Lead the way. We must be a people that demonstrates a life of humility, a life of dependence upon God Almighty. It was Gerald Ford, our 38th president, that quoted a 1955 speech by Dwight D. Eisenhower. He made this quote on December 5th, 1974. He says, without God, there could be no American form of governments, nor an American way of life. Recognition of the supreme being, that's God, is the first, the most basic expression of Americanism. Thus, the founding fathers of America saw it, and thus, with God's help, it will continue to be. Then it was Patrick Henry in his last will and testament we find that he has given everything to his children, like most people do. But in the very last paragraph, we find something very interesting. He writes this, I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that's Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have, say it with me, Nothing. If they obtain, if they consume, if they hold on to, if they grasp everything that I have given them, but they fail to receive Jesus Christ, they may have material items, they may have gained a lot of resources, but I'm here to tell you they've got nothing 
Why? Because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. You see, the greatness of a nation does not rest on the military power. It doesn't rest upon the technological advancement. It doesn't even rest upon the wealth of that nation. It rests on the faith, the dependence, and the trust in God. Those are the determining factors. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Proverbs 14, 34, godliness makes a a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Godliness makes the nation great. What America needs more than anything else is Jesus. We are in such an unrest as a nation. I feel like we go from one dramatic moment as a nation to another. I've got my thoughts behind that. I won't share that here. But I feel like we go from one big moment to the next big moment. Every single, oh man, it just piling and piling and piling. What would happen if we just turned to Jesus? Right? What would happen if we just made Jesus the foundation? What would happen if we, the church, led the way? Some of you are looking at me like, well, I don't know if that would work. All things are possible to those that believe. There's nothing too difficult for my God. My God can do all things. And as we allow ourselves to be a vessel for him, as we allow ourselves to be used by him, as we step out one step at a time and say, Lord, I don't know what this looks like, but God, I'm ready to go. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but God, I'm ready to go. God, I'm going to trust in you with this step. I'm going to trust in you with this step because I believe, Lord, that as I step out in faith, Lord, more of you is going to overflow to the world around me and more of you that overflows to the world around me, the more that's going to spread. Lord, your hope is going to spread. Your revival is going to spread. Lives are going to be changed. And Lord, once again, we will be a nation that is dependent upon you. But church, we must lead the way. Man, some of you are quiet today. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I urge you. Say, I urge you. I urge you, first of all, pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for the kings and all those in authority so that, they, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God, there's only one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3 reminds us that, that God desires that everyone comes to the place and the points of repentance. I shared this 
I believe it was last Sunday, might have been Wednesday night, I had a, a young man walk up and says, Pastor, you keep talking about the one. You see, as a church, we, we've taken on this model that I'll take up the hard and the heavy. I'm willing to do the difficult to make it easy for the one. And he said to me, Pastor, I, I get that we're supposed to have the one. In fact, he goes, I know who that one is that I'm supposed to pray for. But how do I love them? That's, that's a great question. How do I love them? God desires that none would perish, but that everyone comes to that place of repentance. How do we love them? We pray for them. We shine Jesus. We represent him in all that we do. We set our dependence upon God. We say, Lord, here I am. Use me. This is a complete abandonment of the old life. It's, it's embracing a new life of forgiveness, a new life of hope, and that leads us to our third and final requirements. Decide to make a difference. You see, we can pray all day long. We can say, well, I'm, I'm determined to have dependence upon God, but until we decide to make a difference, we're just going through the motions. We're just playing the game. It was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. that made this statement. Our lives begin to end the moment we become silent about things that matter. Our life begins to end. I would take it as far as to say the church begins to die. The moment we become silent about the things that matter. The sad truth is most Christians most Christians do very little or even nothing to present the good news. For us this is enough. Just coming in. Just going through the motions. Just the convenience. This is enough. Man, guys, I know this is hard, but I feel like this is what God's sharing with me to share with you today. Too many Christians just, we settle for, this is enough. I've done my duty. While the unbelieving world is shouting their message. Something must be done. If all we do is say amen periodically and, and stand when we need to stand and sit when we need to sit, yet we walk out these doors and we do nothing, truth be told, we're accomplishing very little for eternity. Romans chapter 10 says this, but how can they call upon him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? I read a statistic that says 95% of all Christians never try to lead somebody to Christ. Come on. 95% never even try that means 5% of believers 
which group are you in? Which group are you in today? See, the Lord doesn't expect you to do everything, but he expects us to do something. He expects us to be more alert of the opportunities around us. See, we fail to act because fear, fear of rejection, fear of response, fear that we don't have all the answers. But the truth is, we fail, if we fail to take the shot, we will fail. We always miss 100% of the shots that we choose not to take. God has given us the opportunity. He has given you the opportunity. The question is, will you take the shots or not? 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. This is your opportunity to share your hope. Church, hear my heart today. God wants to use you. God wants to give you an opportunity today to be a light, to be hope, to a broken world around us, to multiply the good news of Jesus Christ. So today, as you look at your civic and spiritual responsibility, the question is, is not, should the Christian be involved? The question that's on the table today is this. What is one thing that you can do today, this week, that can bring someone to a relationship with Jesus? What's just one thing? What, what's one thing you can do to bring somebody to a relationship with Jesus? Now, some of you in the room, ideas that begin to pop in your head. And on the other side, you've got reasons why you can't. Right? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but many of you in the house today, right now, that's the battle. Here's what you can do. No, I can't do that. Here's what you should do. No, I can't. God's calling you to bigger things. I believe God has laid upon this church. I can't speak for other churches. I can speak for us. I believe God has laid upon our hearts to make a greater impact for the kingdom of God. To multiply that impact. To multiply that hope to bring in the broken, to bring in the lost, to do the hard and the heavy, to make it easy for the one. Why? Because God desires that none would perish, but all would come to a place, that moment of repentance, that moment of God, I can't do this by myself, that moment of readily admitting that my life's a mess. Maybe, maybe that's where you are today. 
maybe we got to the second point and it says dependence upon God. You're like, I don't know that I've done that. In just a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity to make that turn, to make that stance with God. Would you pray with me today? Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.